Welcome to the Unborn Movement by Words to Inspire. We invite you to be informed, to be involved, and to be in prayer. On these podcasts, you'll hear stories from women and men who tell of the damaging after effects of legal abortion, physical, emotional, and spiritual. Such a dark stain on our nations around the world. The ripple effect on moms, dads, grandparents, and siblings impacts not only this generation, but generations to come. We are committed to also telling you through these dynamic stories about the amazing grace of our Heavenly Father. He offers love, forgiveness, and restoration to all who call on Him. We pray that every podcast highlights God's healing grace. And now today's podcast. On today's Unborn Movement podcast, I'll read from Unborn Untold, True Stories of Abortion and God's Healing Grace. This is chapter 14 called The Promises Before Me by Ali Ostrowski. When I was 16, I was dropped off by my boyfriend's social worker at an abortion clinic not far from home. I remember stepping out of the black jeep and climbing the concrete steps alone and paralyzed with fear. As soon as I walked through the door, I was told to change into a gown and take a seat in the waiting room. After several agonizing minutes, a nurse called my name and I entered into a dark room with an illuminated surgical bed in the center where I was instructed to lie down. I was terrified. After my legs were placed in stirrups, the male doctor appeared and both he and the nurse studied the ultrasound to make sure they had the right location of my baby. I never got a chance to witness this image firsthand. With what sounded to me like a strange exuberance, the nurse asked if I was okay and then proceeded to explain what would happen and how I could expect to feel. The next thing I remember is lying on my boyfriend's bed in his cold, drafty room. I was gripped by painful cramps, a sense of heavy nausea, confusion from the drugs, and a feeling of hollow barrenness that would follow me well into my 30s. This was not the first incidence of trauma in my life. I was sexually assaulted and raped in my early teens which rendered me unable to discern healthy relationships, understand boundaries, or even think in a rational, cohesive manner. My mind was fragmented. Although I somehow managed to get good grades in high school, I skipped class regularly to spend time with my dropout boyfriend, who was emotionally abusive. We smoked pot and indulged in each other's recreational drugs. Both of us battled mental health issues. For me, it was a chronic depression that left me feeling worthless and suicidal. We regularly engaged in sex, always without protection because that's what he preferred, and I didn't have the confidence to say otherwise. We were 16, two young misfits, reckless and lost with no concern for the consequences of our decisions. In the midst of this relationship, I found myself pregnant. The moment I found out I had conceived was miraculous. I was on a family vacation and I woke up in the early morning, stood near the dark hotel curtains and felt a kernel of life pulsating from my womb. The sensation was amazing. 
Before I could begin to imagine the potential this spark was harnessing, panic struck and fear sank in. For a young conservative Catholic girl with an affluent family and impressive academic streak, this pregnancy was an inconvenient and distressing reality. If I were to keep the child, my image at school would be destroyed. My family and friends would scoff and strangers would judge me for my careless behavior. In that moment, my pride collided with my fear and the decision was made. I would have an abortion. Only after I formed a relationship with Christ did he reveal to me where he was at the time. While the enemy was feeding me lies of doubt and insecurity, Jesus was right next to me, speaking hope and promise. Whatever transpired, he would provide comfort and equip. He was assuring me that without fail, I would raise a beautiful daughter and our story would bring glory to his name. Instead, I panicked and decided to bury the humiliation of my pregnancy. I couldn't imagine carrying the weight of this reality in the midst of my circumstances. I wish that I had only tasted and trusted the faithfulness of an all-consuming love of Jesus, which would have given me the strength to conquer what I deemed utterly impossible. Instead, I got out of that Jeep, walked up those stairs, and went into the clinic. Throughout the rest of high school and well into university, I continued to hide the secret of my abortion. I became increasingly numb and mentally disturbed. I drank and smoked pot regularly and started to self-harm through cutting. I was depressed and under a lot of strain as I faced the stresses of a heavy course load in addition to the fault lines of trauma buried deep within. I was in and out of therapy, but every time the abortion issue was uncovered, I would tense up, curl inward, and stare off into space, completely unaware of external prompts to re-engage. Eventually, something would register, and I would practice my coping routines by rapidly shifting my gaze to different colors, shapes, and textures around the room, while physically stretching out my body and breathing in regular deep rhythms. In time, therapists chose to avoid this topic altogether because of the intensity of my response. They were unable to loosen the grip of this trauma and opted to address other outstanding problems I was facing. I was discouraged and overwhelmed. It seemed that I couldn't get the help I needed, even from trained psychologists. At that time, I had no access to a resource that could address the root of my emotional pain and bring me to freedom. Upon completing my undergraduate degree, I fell into my first psychotic episode. I became a missing person and lived in the woods outside of Hamilton for a month. I went completely insane. I was filled with religious grandiosity and experienced profoundly tormenting thoughts that convinced me to run across a six-lane highway in the peak of the day and put cigarettes out on my legs. As I stumbled through the landscape, I was unable to care for myself, leaving me starving, dehydrated, physically scarred, and medically unstable when I incurred a blood infection after my wounds were exposed to sewage and soil. Eventually, 
I had a violent confrontation with police and was hospitalized for months. After receiving a formal diagnosis of bipolar 1, I experienced three more psychotic episodes in the next five years, each with their own risks and repercussions. Even at the leading mental health care institutions, doctors couldn't find out why my illness was so severe, especially since they could find no genetic trace that could be linked to such drastic symptoms. Interestingly, none of them inquired into my post-trauma, including the abortion I had experienced when I was younger. That truth stayed dormant for a few more years. In 2012, my dad, a born-again believer, invited me to a church to listen to a prominent speaker. During that meeting on September 21st, I surrendered my life to the Lord. That was the beginning of the wildest, most profound healing journey I could ever imagine. I had no idea the love that awaited me. My new community of friends prophesied a great calling on my life and filled me with hope and great anticipation for the promises that lay before me. However, at my core, I was still mired in shame, grief, and profound guilt. How could God ever forgive such a sin? I felt as though I had been branded with a scarlet letter that marked my disqualification for full access to heaven's blessings, and most importantly, approval. In 2015, I had a chance to experience the ministry of Ruth and Evelyn Miles through restoring the foundations. For the first time, counselors attributed the psychotic episodes I had to the curse of the abortion. That was a profound revelation. Over the course of a week, I repented of my sin, was delivered, and experienced a powerful transformation. I could hear clearly from the Holy Spirit. I was awakened to the Father's love for me, and I recognized my identity as a victorious overcomer, a daughter and child of God. Upon graduating from a master's program, I started teaching first grade and was astonished to report complete mental stability for three consecutive years, which could I only partially attribute to the medication I was on. Finally, after growing in my faith and believing for deep inner healing, my prayers were answered. I had been seeing a Christian therapist, and she recommended I look into the post-abortion recovery program through the Atwell Center in Hamilton, Ontario. I was a bit apprehensive about revisiting my abortion, but understood that Jesus died so that my soul could be fully free and that he could give me the courage and grace to traverse the journey. I reached out to family and friends and boldly declared that I was entering into a vulnerable time of reflection and healing. Although I would have the Holy Spirit to guide and comfort me, I would also be relying on the prayers and ongoing support of the women I held most dear. Within days of contact in the center, I participated in a sensitive intake process. By the following Tuesday, the lead therapist had established weekly sessions for me to participate in. Every morning, I was eager to wake up and do my homework, as set out in the activity book. Those chapters took me through identifying my abortion wound and reflecting on the complex emotions surrounding my decision, including the relief, denial, and avoidance of this event. The book laid the groundwork for a deeper explanation of my pain by identifying godly conviction and responsibility as a contrast to the crippling shame, fear, anxiety, and depression I had experienced 
for 17 years. During this time, the Holy Spirit revealed critical scriptures that I clung to in order to anchor my hope and identify with the truth set before me in Christ. For example, Isaiah 44.22 says, I have swept away your offenses like a cloud, your sins like the morning mist. Return to me, for I have redeemed you. Through the cross, Jesus had washed away the stain of the abortion. God had so completely forgiven me for the abortion that I didn't even have a right to bring it up anymore. The issue had been resolved, paid for in full. From the moment I gave my life to him, God saw me as a spotless bride, a woman who had been redeemed and made whole. The final vindication came from Isaiah 61, 7, where it is written, Instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion. Instead of disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance. And so you will inherit a double portion in your land, and everlasting joy will be yours. Not only had I received a new sense of self-worth, a stable, healthy mood, and an awareness of his goodness and mercy, but everything that I had grieved, everything that had been stolen from me, would now be redeemed. The depths of my pain, insanity, and deeply embedded shame would now be the substance supernaturally transformed into a divine and bountiful inheritance. As the course continued, I was asked to write letters to all those towards whom I harbored anger, including my boyfriend at the time, the nurses, doctors, and the legal system for the fact that abortion was so easily accessible to me in the first place. The hardest chapter came when I finally connected with my precious daughter, Abigail Grace. I talked to her regularly and imagined her at the same age as my students, full of life. I experienced profound grace in this time as I trusted she was in heaven, cheering me on. But it was also heartbreaking to fully realize the consequences of my decision. At the end of the process, I had to let her go. Today, I walk in freedom and in boldness, having removed the cloak of shame and guilt as expressed through mental instability and emotional dysregulation. What's more, I have total access to God. I no longer hold up the abortion as proof of my unworthiness. Instead, I experience it as evidence of his deep, unfailing love and mercy. I am not hiding in the shadows, desperate to be accepted and understood. I am reconciled to the Father and restored as a proud mom, a woman empowered to live with joy and hope for the promise of what awaits her, both in this life and throughout eternity. And that is the end of Ali's story, the promises set before me. What a wonderful story of God's redeeming grace. I hope that you will pass this on and share this story with many others who can be really encouraged and inspired by the way that our Heavenly Father loves us, forgives us, and wants us to be free. So until next time, bye for now. As we close off today, I invite you to be part of the Unborn Movement. There are several ways to be involved. Why not join the Unborn Movement Facebook page, get involved in a local pregnancy center, or start the conversation in your church? 
providing a safe place for stories to be told. For there is a lot of pain in the pews. Find out more about our ministry at wordstoinspire.ca or contact me, Ruth, at wordstoinspire.ca. Until next time, I'm Ruth Coghill for The Unborn Movement. Bye for now.